Good morning to all of you. This is indeed the Shippy Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Touch Free Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, thank you for making this program part of your Wednesday morning, August 18, 2021. Man, this month is flying by. And, you know, the old adage goes, time sure does fly when you're having fun. And yet, there's one man in this town right now who is having a lot of fun because he got himself a new deal and he's a hell of a whole lot more richer than he was just a month ago. And that is one Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. And as always, you can call into the program and leave a voice message for me at 855-915-WMFO, 855-915-9636. And that's exactly how we are going to start the program today on this Wednesday morning here in mid to late August talking about the Boston Celtics. Because, listen, the news broke early Monday night about Marcus Smart. The news broke, as it pertains to Marcus Smart, that he had agreed to a four-year, $77.1 million max contract extension to remain with the Boston Celtics. When I first heard the news, and I first heard the news live on 98.5 The Sports Hub, thanks to my good friend, Sean Silver, who was on the air that night with my other really good friend, Christian Arcand, I said, hold up, wait. What? Marcus Smart, $77.1 million for four years? Oh, man. $77.1 million for a guy who absolutely is the definition of Jacqueline Hyde offensively in the NBA. <laughs> Brad Stevens, you've done yourself quite the job so far. Thank you. Now, personally, as a Celtics fan, I'm not a fan of the deal. I'm really not. And I'm going to spend the next 15 minutes moaning and complaining, and, I, and I'm using words that I can only use without, you, you know, like the, the, the FDC or whatever else getting on my case about using a certain term that I can't use on the airway, so I'm not going to use that term. But my gosh, four years, $77.1 million for Marcus Smart. Let me first start off by saying here is exactly what's wrong with this deal. Let's throw a Brad Stevens. I don't like how this makes Brad Stevens look as an executive as a leader, as a president of Celtics basketball operations, because this is the same man whom a little while back was growing quite frustrated with the play of Marcus Smart, his inconsistencies, and he made it very clear about how he felt about Marcus Smart. And when the season ended, mercifully, at the hands of the Brooklyn Nets in a gentleman's sweep, my first thought was, Marcus Smart's got to get traded. You've got to trade him this offseason. Somehow, someway. Later, and what ended up happening, 
was that somehow, some way, he had a change of heart and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to just pay the man. Like, I get that there must have been a struggle somewhere where you could not find a suitable trade partner for Marcus Smart and so forth. And when I brought up the idea of trading Marcus Smart on Twitter a little while back, Celtic fans responded, for whom? You realize he is the heart and soul of the team, right? I mean, only Celtic fans have the propensity of, you know, overrating its own players. Like, we overrated Jay Crowder at one point. Isaiah Thomas, he wasn't overrated. He was good when he was here. But other than that, the history of overrating our own players is fairly steep. Marcus Smart is a one-trick pony. And the idea that the Celtics are going to pay him $77.1 million over the course of the next four years to be a one-trick pony really concerns the hell out of me. The first level of concern is Brad Stevens. How do you go out to the media and turn around and say that you're frustrated with where Marcus Smart and his style of play and so forth, and then months later, you turn around and you pay the man? After all, this is exactly what was said by Brad Stevens. And a column that was written by Sports Illustrator's Chris Mannix that was written on August 2nd, one of the things that was said that really stood out from Mannix's column, and I'm going to read you the entire quote. This is what Chris Mannix had written. Boston's acquisition of Josh Richardson could spell the end of Market Smart's run in Boston. Smart has become a fan favorite over seven years in Boston, but Brad Stevens had been frustrated by Smart's unpredictable play in recent years per sources. Smart, one of the NBA's better perimeter defenders, is entering the final year of his contract. Boston could extend Smart, but two people familiar with Stevens' thinking tell SI Sports Illustrated it's more likely Stevens will look to trade Smart before the start of the season. Boston shopped Smart last season, seeking multiple first-round picks a team executive with knowledge of the discussions told Sports Illustrated, unquote. So let me understand this right. So last season when Danny Ainge was still the president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics, he attempted to trade Marcus Smart for multiple first-round picks. Although he is one of the better perimeter defenders in the NBA, is he really worth more than one first-round draft pick? No. Absolutely not. So this column was from a little more than two weeks ago. And here we are two weeks later. Brad Stevens says, hey, you know what? Here's a contract. Four years, $77 million. So in, in my view, the way that I look at it is this. You have a problem with Marcus Smart because of his erratic, unpredictable play, which he was not wrong on at all, yet you're willing to pay the man top dollar to keep him here in the Boston Celtic uniform. Make it make sense, please. Unpredictable play. This is the, the second level of my concern with Marcus Smart. 
Brad Stevens is absolutely right about Marcus Smart in terms of his unpredictable play. In fact, I called into the the Adam Jones show on 98.5 The Sports Hub on Monday night after the news had broke. And one of the things that I said in my call was, this man is literally the definition of Jacqueline Hyde in the NBA. I'm not wrong. But Celtic fans will be fast to defend him and say, no, 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 no. He's this. He's that. He's a heart and soul of the Celtics. Cut the crap. Cut the crap. Can we for once call it for what it is? A gutless move by Brad Stevens who couldn't find a trade partner and decided to pony up the money to give to Marcus Smart. And I call it an absolute overpay for a guy that will give you max effort on a defensive side of the ball, but you don't know what you're going to get offensively. And that's very problematic for a team that relies too heavily offensively on Jason Tatum and as well as Jalen Brown. I dare for any of you to tell me that I'm wrong in this matter. If you are a Celtics fan on this Wednesday morning, how do you possibly feel good about this deal? How do you not possibly feel any sort of confidence in the Boston Celtics moving forward for next season? Heck, even in the next two years, minimum. And going back to my point about being Jacqueline Hyde, this is a player that you can watch one night, he'll make five three-pointers in the game, have a good night offensive, he'll be, what, maybe five of nine from the three-point line, sure. But then the next night, he'll shoot a meager four of 20 from the field. I mean, goodness grief. I don't know how that kind of how that kind of production or that sort of peaks and valley can be so sustainable over the course of the NBA unless you have one particular skill that you do well, and that is you are a terrific defender. You hustle after loose balls. You are great defending the perimeter. There's no question. After all, he is first team NBA for a reason on, on defense for his defensive performances. However, but if you're going to pay a player $77.1 million, and I made a video that's on my Twitter about that. By the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Shukri Writes, at S-H-U-K-R-I-W-R-I-G-H-T-S, in which that if you're going to pay him $77.1 million, don't be a $77.1 million liability. And I'm not talking against the salary cap either. I'm talking about not being able to be consistent on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that this is something that the new head coach, Ime Udoku, is going to have to figure out in terms of Marcus Smart, how to get the best out of him offensively. Because you know what he brings on the defensive side of the basketball. That's not up for discussion. That's not up for debate. Everyone knows. But with this new contract, I am going to be even more critical of Marcus Smart offensively given that he is very inconsistent offensively. For a guy that's getting paid top dollar, for a guy that's going to be getting paid a lot of money over the next four years, how could you possibly feel good about this? I don't feel good about this as a Celtics fan, which leads me directly to my next point. Financial flexibility. 
it matters in the NBA. This is a hard cap league through and through. And the Boston Celtics, now that they've given max contracts to Jason Tatum, they gave a max contract extension to Jalen Brown. And now they've given a max contract extension to Marcus Smart. Where's the financial flexibility? It is as gone as the gusty wind blowing in from the Boston Harbor. It's gone. So the idea of let's go get a Bradley Beal. Woo! Forget about it. You can kiss that idea goodbye. It's not happening now. Let go of that pipe dream. Because guess what? Those three players that I mentioned, Tatum, Brown, and Smart, those three players are now your top three highest players on the team right now as it currently stands. And then you better hope and pray that Paxson Pritchard can develop into something offensively and that Grant Williams can also become something as well because right now, this team, as it's currently constructed, they're no better than the sixth or the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. I hate to break it to you, but this team isn't going anywhere. When I say this team is not going anywhere, this team is not going anywhere in terms of competing for a championship next season. It isn't happening. It isn't happening for the next two years because you don't have the financial flexibility. You're not going to be able to sign guys unless if you trade one max contract for another max contract. That's it. And then apparently, as part of the contract details, Marcus Smart has a bonus if he gets traded. So financially, this deal is hemorrhaging the Boston Celtics. Financially. Because let me tell you something. You know what you have with Tatum. You know what he is. You know what you have with Brown. You know what he is. You know what you're going to get in night in and night out offensively on a consistent basis. But with Marcus Smart, you don't know what you're going to get. You can get a guy that can score you, what, 23, 24 points? But yet the next night, struggle offensively, turn over the basketball, struggle from the three-point arc, and just chuck up threes like they're going out of town, and he'll give you, what, maybe nine or ten points max. That's the last kind of effort that you need from a player like Marcus Smart. You just you don't need it, which is why $77.1 million for four years for a guy who is jacking the height offensively, I don't like this contract one bit. And frankly, I was hoping that the Celtics would find a way to trade him, but they didn't find a suitable trade partner, as I use air quotes here. They didn't find someone that said, hey, you know, we're willing to take this guy on. We're willing to make a trade for him. Because teams around the NBA know he is a defensive specialist and nothing more. But the Celtics, we find value in our own players. Yeah, you better hope Brad Stevens knows what the hell he's doing in terms of offering Marcus Smart that kind of money. I mean, that is a huge risk. And listen... 
if Celtic fans are under the general impression and understanding that this isn't a championship team that they have currently, they would be okay with it. But honestly, my championship or bust expectation for this franchise has never changed. But I'm also a realist. I'm also a guy that's not afraid to call out what I see. Okay. You want to sit here and try to convince me that Evan Fournier was not a better offensive player than Marcus Smart? Good luck with that because you're going to be talking to a tree. You're not going to convince me that Kimba Walker, despite his deficiencies not being healthy and his debilitating chronic knee problems, was not a better offensive player than Marcus Smart? Man, good luck with that. I understand that letting Kimba walk and letting him go was the right move to make. But, man, how do you possibly feel good or have any sort of positive feelings about this contract for Marcus Smart? I don't. I'm not feeling the deal. I don't even like the move. But Brad Stevens has a lot to show me, and I'm confident that he is going to show me exactly what he is capable of as an NBA executive. This is his first test, and there will be plenty more to come that will be on its way. Coming up next, thoughts on the New England Patriots training camp so far. The quarterback battle. I want to give you my thoughts and much more coming up next right here on the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. Also coming up next, special news to share with you. Something that I found out on Monday afternoon I'm going to share with you as it pertains to this program. So stay tuned for that. You are listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tuskegee Farm Radio, streaming nationwide on the TuneIn Radio. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt. Watching my nieces grow, play, and learn is amazing, but not every child gets to be carefree. One in six kids in the U.S. are hungry. One in six. That little girl sitting alone at the playground, she can't play like the other kids. She doesn't have the energy because she's hungry. School lunch will be her only meal today. It breaks my heart that this is the reality in our country, but it's something that Feeding America is working to change. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. This food is then provided to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about using your imagination, learning, and having fun. These children shouldn't have to miss out on simply being a kid because they're hungry. To find out how you can help end childhood hunger in your community, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. 
When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dye for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to ditch the car and start rollerblading to work. I look ridiculous. You look ridiculous! You don't need to start foraging wild berries. I was skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your organs on the black market. Lie back. This is gonna hurt. Yeah, that hurts. You don't need to rent out your apartment to drifters. I made a fire with the wood in your bedroom. That's my dresser! And your closet door. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell all your belongings and live in a commune. These dungarees belong to all of us now, Tom. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by feedthepig.org. Well, I finally did it. I opened a 401k. So you're giving up. Just like that. Giving up on what? I'm getting an inheritance from a distant relative. Don't you think if there were a billionaire in the family, we'd know about it by now? Listen to me. We are one phone call away from riding horses on our own private polo grounds. One call from christening yachts, having a butler, using summer as a verb. How do you figure? Look, everyone's got a rich uncle somewhere. It's statistics. So the best thing you can do is just prepare for the inevitable. Right. Which is why I thought maybe it would be smart to take control of my finances. You know, start using a budget, get out of debt, set some retirement goals. Budgets? Debt? You watch your mouth. Retirement shouldn't be a goal for us. It should be a way of life. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tuskegee Farm Radio Streaming Nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app, globally on WMFO.org. Before I continue on with the program, I have some very special news that I found out on Monday afternoon in regards to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. And what makes this particularly amazing is that I didn't even know that it had transpired, but... The news is basically as follows. You can now listen to the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO on demand on Odyssey. You can now listen to the program on Odyssey after it's airing on Wednesday mornings. And it's exciting because I have put in an application for um for for my podcast to be um distributed on Odyssey and, and whatnot, given that it is formerly Intercom. And this is a big deal. This is a really big deal. And for those of you that know and I and I usually would say that this show you can listen to this program on demand on iHeartRadio. You can still listen to the program on iHeartRadio, but the program this program will be available sooner on Odyssey 
um, on Wednesday mornings after the airing of this program from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. So now, basically, starting today, starting with this program, you can listen to the program via Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app today, and you can just type in the Shukri Rights Podcast, which is the home, the exclusive home of all archived radio broadcasts of the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO. You are not going to find this anywhere else. It's exclusively on the Shukri Rights Podcast, which, again, is the exclusive home of the Sugar Ride Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO in Medford, and as well as my national syndicated radio program, The Shoe with Sugar Rides on Pacifica Radio Network. You can also find there as well on Odyssey on the Sugar Rides podcast. Now, with that being said, you can listen to all archive broadcasts of the Sugar Rides Show on 91.5 FM, WMFO. Um, on demand after its original airing on Wednesday mornings from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. on the Odyssey app. You will still be able to find it on iHeartRadio and wherever else you may find your podcast, but the radio program, you can find it on the Odyssey app right after the airing of the show. Just want to share with you that exciting news and progress pertaining to the Sugar Ray Show. Now, in addition to talking about something that's exciting, let's talk Patriots. Because we have a quarterback competition that is fully underway. I don't know about you, but I like what I've seen so far. And currently, as we speak, the Patriots, they are down in Philadelphia participating in joint practices with the Philadelphia Eagles. And... One of the things that I have really enjoyed as it pertains to these joint practices is that the teams, they're not just hitting each other. They're going up against other teams, practicing up against other teams. And you get to see that first glimpse of compete level between two different teams where guys that are fighting for a roster spot to earn a spot on a 53-man roster. And one of the things that I will tell you that I really am curious about and a lot has been made about Cam Newton and as well as Mac Jones I definitely think that if you are the Patriots and if you're a Patriots fan you're paying attention to how did each quarterback look during practice and as well as more importantly during the game as far as the first game goes I really thought that that Mac Jones looked really good while Cam Newton Definitely showed flashes of some of his old self, but still showed a little bit of the inconsistencies that plagued him during the 2020 NFL season. But not to hold that against him because this is preseason after all. You're going up against the other teams, number twos and so forth. But I don't know how you could walk away from the first preseason game not feeling really good about Mac Jones. I really like what I saw. And I really like what we've seen between the two quarterbacks so far. But if we're going to be completely honest, I really personally would like to see Mac Jones start over Cam Newton. However, 
I just have a funny feeling that it is going to end up being Cam Newton who ends up starting over Mac Jones. Because let's face it, Bill Belichick is not willing to start Mac Jones right off the bat because the plan was for him to start. And I would say when I say him, I'm referring to Newton to start off the gate. And at some point, ease in Mac Jones to start and take over the starting job as the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. But here's a reality, though. Here's a little bit of a reality check. As I said, I really want Mac Jones to get the start. Well, it's too soon. What's wrong with throwing the quarterback into the fire? Hmm? Tell me, what exactly is wrong with that? But it's too soon. He should wait out a year. Okay. There's never the correct time to put in a quarterback. Honestly and truthfully, there is never the right time to put in the quarterback that you expect and hope will lead your team to a championship. There isn't. I mean, if you really think about it, I'm going to give you two examples. One of each extreme. One quarterback who got thrown into the, into the fire, the other quarterback who had to wait. Does the names Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers come to mind? It should. Because for those who may have forgotten Russell Wilson's story, Russell Wilson was drafted in 2012. He entered the 2012 training camp battling Matt Flynn, who at the time had just signed a pretty nice contract with the Seattle Seahawks after his terrific performance in week 17 of the 2011 NFL season with the Green Bay Packers. But Russell Wilson beat him out for that job. And as they say, the rest is history. All he did was just go on to win the Super Bowl in his second season and got back to another Super Bowl in his third season. No big deal, right? Aaron Rodgers. Well, he was drafted in 2005, dropped all the way down, I think the 25th, 25th overall pick by Green Bay, had to sit behind Brett Favre for three seasons. And while waiting, he learned from one of the best quarterbacks of all time. When Aaron Rodgers took over the starting job in 2008, that was where his ascension began. Point that I'm making is this and using these two guys as an example, when you use that as a measuring stick historically regarding Mac Jones and Cam Newton as the Patriots quarterback battles rage on, there isn't the quote-unquote right time. Now, I understand that some of you may be saying, well, the situations could not be more different. That is true. That is very true. But what makes this situation any different from the Seattle situation? Think about it. Seattle at the time in 2012, they needed a quarterback. This was them coming off of having Tavares Jackson as a starting quarterback. If you may remember that at all, if at all, they needed a quarterback. The Patriots, here we are coming off the 2020 season in preparation for the 2021 season. 
Cam Newton having a lackluster season, did not look good throwing the ball. The Patriots needed a quarterback. They drafted one in Mac Jones. The bigger point that I want to get into now is this. There's people out there that are saying Mac Jones should wait. And there are people like myself that are saying, I actually want to see the guy start now. I'm going to give you a reason why starting him now would actually be a lot more beneficial than having him wait. See, Bill Belichick is taking a conservative approach when dealing with a rookie quarterback. I mean, after all, that's exactly what he did with Tom Brady when he was drafted in 2000. He sat behind Drew Bledsoe for a year. And then we all remember what happened in week two of the 2001 season. The historic hit. Yes, and I'm using historic hit by Jets linebacker Mo Lewis on Drew Bledsoe. That literally changed the history of the NFL. Yeah, he had to wait. But that was something different because at the time, you had what was one of the better passing quarterbacks in the league at that time. Right now, Cam Newton, as it currently stands, he's not even half the quarterback that Drew Bledsoe was in the late 90s and the very beginning of the 2000s. He's not. You put in a guy that, yes, the upside is clearly there. He has shown you so far in training camp a tale of two stories. The first story is this guy has a chance as long as he has the right weapons and the right system and the right coach, he has a chance to really flourish as a starting quarterback. While on the other hand is he has got a lot to learn in terms of his ability to use his athleticism, if he has any at all. <laughs> and that's where we are with Mac Jones. As we get ready to enter week two of the preseason, and we begin to have a better idea as to what Mac Jones can be, I'm beginning to have a feeling that Mac Jones is a guy that could do a lot more in terms of offensive capabilities. He's not limited like a Cam Newton is in terms of what he can do at this stage of his career. And I want to tell you right now that Josh McDaniels is going to have a big impact in terms of the decision-making on who will end up being the starting quarterback. Now, I want to make something abundantly clear, and I want to say that, that, listen, Bill Belichick, he is going to ultimately decide, but if, if there's anyone that he trusts in that organization as his right-hand man, that's Josh McDaniels. He trusts his input, he trusts his eyes, and he trusts that, and he's going to trust that Josh McDaniels is going to give the most honest and forthright opinion of the quarterbacks and the competition that he has seen throughout training camp. Because even as of this morning, and it's abundantly clear that the Patriots, they have not decided on who's going to be the starting quarterback come week one but I'm here to tell you Boston this morning that I do think that it should be Mac Jones honestly and truthfully 
You are able to do a lot more with Mac Jones in terms of his offensive skill and what he brings to the table more than what you will be able to do with Cam Newton. That's just the truth. I mean, this is no slam against the guy. I don't hate the guy. I want him to do well. But based on what we've seen in terms of preseason and as well as the practices and all of the reports that have come out of training camp so far, looks like it's Mac Jones that's outperforming Cam Newton. Am I surprised? Not necessarily. I mean, if I'm being honest, I did watch a couple of his games while he was in Alabama. So I had a little bit of an inkling of an idea as to what he can do as a quarterback. But he obviously still has a long, long ways to go. No question. But at one point, if in fact Bill Belichick does go with Cam Newton, does he say, you know what? I'm going to make a change. Thank you for everything, but Mac Jones is the starter now. What happens then? How how does he handle that? Because I think those are questions that should be asked. And I do think this is a question that's going to be asked and pondered upon over the course of the next two preseason games. There's a preseason game tomorrow night against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then there's a third and last one as well against the New York Giants. I think that it is going to come down to the final game of the preseason before Bill Belichick makes any sort of decision as to who's going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. But I would like to see Mike Jones be the starter. I think he should be because you are better off going with the unknown Go with a guy that you just don't know a whole lot about. Can he succeed as a starting quarterback in the NFL over a guy in which you saw the ceiling last season as to what he is now, not what he once was, and going back to what is old, ever the goal, go with what's new. That's my honest opinions about it. Nothing personal, but I think it's time. New regime, new start. New changes, you bring in the weapons that you brought in last offseason and as well as the improvements you made defensively, I would like for the Patriots to move forward with Mac Jones as the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. Week two of the Patriots preseason tomorrow night against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be a good one. Can't wait. Coming up next. I want to talk Red Sox baseball and mix in some Boston media controversy as well. Something that was said on Monday afternoon that caught my eyes and has apparently caught the eyes of Bostonians everywhere. That and much more coming up right here on 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. You're listening to The Shooky Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO in Metro Tuscan Former. Hey, is that a faucet running? Nope, that's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. It is? Yeah. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. The water comes straight from the forest to us. In fact... What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum! That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. How do trees clean the air? They soak up the dirty air on their leaves, branches, and trunks, which means clean air for us. Hmm, cool. I didn't know that. Yep, 
But the forest does more than give us clean air and water. It gives us shade for hot days, birds to listen to, and trees to climb. Wow, that's awesome. I didn't know how cool the forest could be. Hey, let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Do you get tired of styling your hair every day? And do you want a good hairstyle every day? Hi, I'm Sarah Schuster. I went on a website called inventnow.org, and after that, I decided to invent something too. Something called the Insta-Do. Just imagine, you just put it over your head like a helmet does, and you pick your hairstyle with the buttons on the side, and you can have instant hairstyle in seconds. People like it. People like Jeff Bart. I like it. And people like Kenneth. It's a summer thing, and it fits over your head, and it's great. Thank you, Kenneth. You should go to inventnow.org, and it could help you come up with your own invention. After all, look at me on the radio now. Anything's possible. Keep thinking. Get started on your own inventions, or just play some games at inventnow.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, the National Inventors Hall of Fame Foundation, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. And sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain, and sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense they will wake me up throughout the night. I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Shipping Right Show on 91.5 FM WMFO. In Medford, Tuskegee, from Radio Streaming Nationwide on the TuneIn Radio app and globally on WMFO.org. I appreciate all of you who have tuned in this morning, whether you're making your way to work or you're out running morning errands as we approach the end of summer, which is really hard to believe. And here we are on August 18th. The end of summer is very much near. 
So while summer is here, we are going to talk about the boys of summer in Boston. That is the Boston Red Sox. But first, I want to talk about a little controversy that started up in uh, Boston media a couple of days ago because uh, (laughs) when I saw this happen live, I said, no way he said what I thought I think I just heard him say. And I'm talking about one Mike Felger of 98.5 The Sports Up. Now, I personally don't have a problem with the man. The man is truly one of the preeminent, talented radio talents in the country, period, bar none. But something that he did that I'm just like, why, my dude? Did you feel the need to go after another prominent member of the national media that is Jared Carabas? And I want to have an opportunity to talk about this for a bit during this segment because there was something about that whole sequence and what he said and what took place that absolutely just drove me off the wall. In fact, I'm going to do you one even better. I'm going to play you the clip of what was said by one Mike Felger on Felger and Mass. This is courtesy of 98.5 The Sports Hub and NBC Sports Boston. Here it is. Carabas is trolling Yankee fans. Is what he does. I mean, I know you're above no, trolling no, no, no. fans, Felger. No, but he's a Red Sox fan. So, yes. like, how boring is that? It's like the Red Sox guy just, you know, kisses the ass of the Red Sox and blows the Yankee fan, and the Yankee barstool guy trolls the Red Sox fan. Like, I get all that. It, it, it would be more interesting for the Red Sox guy to troll Red Sox fans. That's not what he's ever done. That's also available elsewhere, like here. Yeah, but. <laughs> that's just so basic. It's like my team's great, you suck. Like that's all they do. Like Thornton kisses the ass of the Patriots, and Carabas kisses the ass of the Red Sox. And doesn't their Celtics guy kiss the ass? Oh of the yeah, Celtics? oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's like, what's the value in that? It's like the, a Celtic fan acting like a Celtic fan. Like you know what they're gonna say. But where's the, where's the value? Me being the Red Sox fan, I can relate to Jared. But there's no, like, value to it because you know he's just going to try to put him in a positive light and blow the Yankee guy and vice versa. I'm entertained by it. A lot of people want the echo chamber, chamber, Mike. I mean, think of it in terms of a political sense. Like, people on the left only really want to hear stuff on the left. People on the right only really want to hear stuff on the right. It's, it's, It's sports echo chamber is what it is. As you heard, the clip is courtesy of NBC Sports Boston and 985, the sports hub. Now, the audio quality isn't necessarily the best because it was recorded on my phone. However... With that being said, I also want to point out that in that clip, Felga makes an interesting point about, you know, Carabas, about him being one who caters to the Red Sox fan and that he's one that's going to kiss the tush of the Red Sox and so forth. But that wasn't the problem. And I thought that was really interesting that he said that because one thing that Carabas does really well is that he knows his fan base he knows his fans he knows what they want and he does a tremendous job of what he does but here's the problem that I have with Felger and I'm calling out Felger on this particular point here Felger why do you really obsess yourself with what Barstool guys do I'm not saying you're not allowed to have an opinion on what anyone does. 
But especially Carabas, for you to call out Carabas like that was really because he's not a contrarian like yourself. Come on, like if everybody was a clone and identical to you, Felger. I'm sorry, the world will be a lame place. But let's be honest about something here. I'm not a person that comes across as, woo, I'm away with the pom-poms, yay. No, I'm very down the middle. Very down the middle in the sense of, I'm going to give you exactly what I think. I'm not here to give you negative city all day. But what I am here to do is, is to inform you my opinion why I think the way that I think, and you have the option to take it and digest it however way you want to do that. That's on you. But I just thought that was so weak and pathetic. Like, I mean, if you're going to call out Barstool guys, number one, call them out by name. You talk about the Yankees Barstool guy, mention him by name. If you're going to call out Carabas, come with a little bit something that's a bit more stronger. I mean, I just thought that it was just so weak and pathetic. Like, why on earth would you feel the need to go after Carabas because of what he does in terms of his content, in terms of what he does for Barstool. He has a new podcast that's I'll Call Him Poppy that he does with David Ortiz. Terrific stuff. I've listened to it. In addition to what he already does with the Section 10 podcast. If you're a Red Sox fan, tremendous podcast that he does. And honestly, it's like, okay, Felger, I, I get that you have really enjoyed a tremendous success in this city. You've earned all the accolades and the awards. But let's be honest about something. The only reason why that you've earned the ratings that you've earned is because you haven't had considerable challenge in this city over the course of the last three years. Let's be completely honest, and this is no disrespect to anyone else out there, especially the competing station that is here in Boston. That's no disrespect at all, but the ratings are proof of that. They are proof of the fact that Felger has dominated the ratings in the afternoons over the course of the last three years, and obviously much longer, but especially in the last three years because there really hasn't been much of a competition between the two stations in the afternoon drive slot. That's why. But not everything has to be such a contrarian take. But what he said in regards to Carabas, in regards to his work that he does for Barstool as well as in terms of the Boston Red Sox, man, I thought that was just like, why? Like, why? And I tweeted that video out, and the reactions, whew, I mean, as of Tuesday morning, that video hit, I think, 90,000 views on Twitter. So, yeah, that video went viral. And I put that video out there. And I even tagged Carabas himself to view the video and to retweet it, which he did. And the reactions have been quite strong. Because let's be honest about something here. It was just a bad minute and 16 seconds in which that Boston sports fans did not take very kindly to this take at all.
And it showed. I, I've read the comments. I have read the reactions. I have seen the retweets and the quarter tweets and so forth. But in the midst of all that, I noticed something really interesting. And it really occurred to me that the people who love to complain and moan and groan about hating that show and the contrarian that Felger is himself, I mean, Maz plays a big part in that as well. <laughs> Let's just be honest. But they keep tuning in to the show. And the numbers don't lie. So I asked the question, why exactly do people who complain about not liking the show, hating the show, but yet those are the same people who still tune in? I mean, just in the last quarter alone, that show had a, a 19 plus share in the men's 25 to 54 demographic. So that should actually tell you something. And I believe it does tell me a lot. And I posed the question to Boston sports fans on Monday night. And that is, are Boston sports fans masochists? Because as much as Felger and Maz and that show and the way that he went after Carabas really pissed off the people of Boston, and Boston sports fans in particular, they keep tuning in. It's clear what he does works. There's no secret to that at all. Now, I have a few minutes left, about five minutes left in this program. I want to talk actually about the Red Sox because there was an interesting column that that was written by John Tomasi of NBC Sports Boston. That's on NBCSportsBoston.com. It is called, Is It Okay to Feel Good About the Red Sox Again? And I thought about the question, and I thought about, hmm, if I was a Red Sox fan, should I feel good about the Red Sox again? And my honest take on that is no. And here's my answer why. There is an excerpt that he wrote, Tomasi that is, that I want to read to you. And he said, so how different do we feel about the Boston Red Sox today? The return of Chris Sale, the belated arrival of Kyle Schwarber, even the unexpected hot streak of Bobby Dahlbeck, are these signs of a team on the rebound or did the club simply benefit from a weakened feat of Oriol a la commode? We will have a better idea once the Red Sox visit the Yankees for a three-game series that begun yesterday, that was Tuesday, in two days versus the Yankees, but after the most uplifting series in weeks, it at least feels possible that they're turning a corner. They swept the Orioles on Sunday with a 6-2 victory, but that's hardly the point. Everyone is beating the O's. It's more about the injection of energy they received when Sell won his season debut on Saturday and Schwarber followed with his first two hits in a Red Sox uniform on Sunday, unquote. My response to that and my take is wait until they play the Yankees and give it more than just three games. I'm sorry. This team has been on the downside for a while, and then you face the Orioles. Of course, anybody's going to beat the Orioles. But your real litmus test is the series against the Yankees, which continues tonight, the third game of a three-game set played in two days. So that's going to be your litmus test because the Yankees have been hot for a few weeks now. 
They are very much in the thick of the American League wildcard race. The division, eh, that remains to be seen, but they are very much right there on your tail. That is going to be your litmus test. But as far as going, as far as to say, well, the, the Red Sox, they had a really good series against the Orioles. Maybe it's time that they're, you know, it's time to feel good about it. Maybe we should feel good about they're beginning to turn a corner. Maybe. Hmm. Not so fast, Yonder. Not so fast. Wait. Give it another week. Because after all, they got the series against the Yankees. They come back home. They play the Texas Rangers. That is a three-game set. And then followed by another three-game series against the Minnesota Twins. So I'm not fast to say that, well, the Red Sox are back again. They've turned a corner. And that all things are kumbaya. Everything is fine and dandy again. These next nine games could possibly be a good measuring stick to see where the Boston Red Sox are as a team. I'm not ready to jump back into the good arms of the Red Sox are back. They've turned a corner. Their season really began over the weekend. We'll see. We will see. Three games is too small of a sample size, especially against the worst team in baseball like the Baltimore Orioles. Come on. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's wait and see how the series goes against the New York Yankees and then as well as the Texas Rangers and the Minnesota Twins that you're playing on back-to-back three-game series at home over the course of the next seven days. That will tell me an awful lot as to where this team is. And then final thoughts is brought to you by yours truly, Shukri Rights of 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford. I want to turn back to the Patriots for just a moment. And I really believe that the Patriots find themselves in a really interesting position this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm a firm believer in which that the Patriots, they have a lot to, um, to figure out and sort through in terms of the offense. And I think that based on what I saw in the first game, that I believe that you saw two different offenses. An offense that is predicated towards Mac Jones' skill set and his strengths, and an offense that you saw that was better predicated to the skill set and the strengths of Cam Newton. How will Thursday's game against the Eagles in Philadelphia play out? We'll, we'll find out tomorrow. We'll find out tomorrow night. But I do think it's going to be really interesting in terms of how does a second week of live game action against an opponent fare for both quarterbacks? Which quarterback is going to make that next step forward? What's going to be Bill Belichick's plan moving forward in terms of Cam Newton and Mac Jones in terms of reps, playing time, and everything else in between? That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shukri Wright Show on 91.5 FM WMFO. And Medford, it's been a pleasure to bring you the show this morning. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Get out there. We're in the final stretch of summer. Enjoy this warm weather while you can. You are listening to 91.5 FM WMFO in Medford, Tusk Reform Greenville.